Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi there, I'm Dave Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. Welcome to Don't Miss This. This is a scripture study YouTube channel slash podcast, and uh, we're so happy you're here. We're moving through the New Testament. We're on part two of the Sermon on the Mount. Last week we did... For a second I thought we were in part two of the New Testament, and I wondered how did they separate Welcome to the book of Acts. (laughs) Um, We uh, last week did Matthew chapter five, which is the beginning of this like collection of teachings that Jesus gives. It's almost like, oh, what did Harold B. Lee call it? A constitution for a happy life. Yes, which I love. Yeah, I don't think we said that last week, but we should have. It's yeah, so cool it's to think about name. that. Yeah, and also like a general conference we talked about last week where it's almost like, you know when you sit down for two days and everyone just speaks to different topics and you get the one you needed and you're like, oh, yeah. that's what I needed right now. So it, this is a continuation of general conference. This is like Sunday yeah. sessions. Sunday morning. Yeah. Um, is that your favorite? Yeah, I really like Sunday morning. Me too. <laughs> I miss Sunday afternoon because... You sleep by well, accident? Well, that's why they record them for people <laughs> like me. Um, Do you eat a really so, good lunch? Well, you know, just it's wondering. just the fourth one and my ADD's off the wall. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> just my brain says, okay, you can have to, you're going to have to watch this another time. <laughs> um, but I do love the idea of like... That the word constitution, it's kind of cool because it gives this idea of like a scaffolding and a framework where um, obviously like conditions are going to change in lives and over time and everything. And yet still that initial scaffolding can hold true because it can be applied to different circumstances, different life situations, different time periods. Different seasons. Right, right. And so this whole, I just love the idea of this constitution. And um, we call this week pictures of, of heaven. Um, just because of something that Jesus is going to say in a, in a segment that we'll look at about the Lord's Prayer. But I do love, actually, now that I've said that scaffolding thing, maybe we want to start here. This is a surprise. Okay. But at the very end of the Sermon on the Mount is where he gives that really, really well-known song. Uh, it became a song. What if he sang it? <laughs> um, the wise man, Bill. <laughs> uh, that, yeah, yeah, the that whole everybody. Like, yeah. That's a good idea. I just love that he just says, he gives that very end invitation at the end where he's like, almost like, this was my purpose that whoever hears these sayings of mine and, and doeth them, I'm going to say that person is really wise and that they built their life on a rock, right? So that when winds and sand and everything come, like it's not going to get knocked down, you know? But sometimes I like uh, thinking of it in two ways. One, you will be protected, but you also have this house that's like, built for family gatherings and for Christmas mornings and like, I lo- yeah, Don't you wanted to be for refuge. Right, right. It's yeah. a refuge from the storm, but it's also like a place to like enjoy, like your house will be there still. You can, you're still going to have your life. You're still going to have these like great experiences because I really like that this is a constitution for not a life, but a happy life. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so he says that at the end where he's just like, Man, if you just listen, I'm, gonna, I'm giving you the framework. And if you can implement these things into your life, it can be a really happy one. Yeah. Right? I love that Despite so what much. comes, no matter yeah. what comes. Yeah. So the first thing um, that we're going to dive into is we're calling one word prayers. 
We love that Jesus gives kind of a pattern for prayer in the Sermon on the Mount. We love, P.S., that Jesus gives, talks about prayer so much. Yeah, in the in this first little bit. Yeah, and then again and again throughout, like, more parables on prayer. Like, yeah. I wonder if you added it all up. Did he speak more about prayer than anything else? I don't know. I would bet money but on it. But who loves that part of just the connecting, like connect. Right. You just need to stay connected. Yeah. There's something really, really cool about that. And as he's talking about this, you know, chapter six starts off with that, um, that idea of like, hey, do things just for God. Like have a secret relationship with us. Sounds weird, but like have a unique, like yeah. have stuff An that you two, yeah, be that a you two word. share with each other. Mm-hmm. You know, like don't do everything for everybody else, right? Like sometimes that might be more difficult than others, but he's trying to say like, hey, focus on when yeah. you do things, do them to connect with him instead of playing to. Yeah, everyone who seems to be watching because right. he wants to say in verse five, don't pray like um, the hypocrites are. Don't stand in the streets or in the synagogue so everyone can see and they're like, oh yeah, he prays. Don't be that guy. Like, if you want to talk to God, talk to God. Yeah. And talk to him about whatever you want to talk to him about, whenever you want to talk to him. It doesn't have to be in the synagogue. It doesn't have to be on the corner. It can be in your, you know, closet, weeping, right. surrounded by your shoes and all the piles of clothes and that's okay with God. Yeah. You know, I just, I love that he's like, it's, he has time for you. Like, just whenever you need to, check yeah. in. That's really cool that you say that because I think when he just says that in verse seven, don't use vain repetitions. To me, that always has said to me, like, so speak freely. Mm. You know, don't, you don't have to follow the same lines that you're supposed to give. You're not yeah. living a script, right? Yeah. Speak freely openly yes. about yeah. everything that's happening. Yeah, and he cares about all the things. Right, and let him decide if he's too busy for you. Sometimes we'll like like project that onto him and say, oh, he's too busy for something like this. And be yeah. like, actually, um, that's not anywhere in scripture. And can he be the one who decides, <laughs> you know, if he wants to listen and if he's too busy or, yeah. you know, has other Yeah, which concerns? has he ever been? No, and so it's yeah. like, don't let that be a, a hurdle to and this, also, right? And also, don't you just think he loves prayer? Like... I was thinking to myself, um, you hear missionaries talk about being in a room the first time someone ever prayed Mm. and how sweet that experience is. Or we're at the age of grandkids right now where we have to have like five prayers before dinner because everybody Everybody wants wants to say the prayer. (laughs) And they're the cutest little prayers of like, if you don't do it right, like Hank was over the other day and I said the prayer and then he kept refolding his arms again and finally Megan was like you're doing it wrong you have to pray for everyone who's sitting at the table and I was like oh well I didn't know you know so we did the thing and then finally he nodded his head like yes Nana you got it right but don't you just think that he that's got to be one of his favorite pastimes is watching his children just be like hey I'm just checking in you know yeah this is what's going on and here's who I'm trying to remember today and Here's the hard thing. You know, I love it when my kids call and they're like, listen, do you have time to give advice? I bet he's the same. Oh, sure. I've always kind of thought, you know that thrill you feel when you feel like a prayer has been answered? Yes. I just feel like he feels that same thrill every time we reach out. Yeah. You know, when I feel like he connected with me, I love it so much. I just imagine that he feels that same thrill when I try to 
yeah. you know, connect to him. Yes. And I like that, that, that that's the sense of that is built into one word in verse eight, chapter six, verse eight, where he says, uh, father. And again, in nine, father, he's just like the, you should approach prayer. He says in the right relationship, right? Approach it as a child to father. Yeah. Is what you should do, and that's why we love this concept of one more prayers. Because you talk about your, you know, your grands, and and then my my own kids. Like there is something so sweet when they're first learning to talk that they are one word requests. Yes, and I like that because I like that here Jesus is saying keep that child parent relationship. Be a kid. Yeah, you know, and trusting like, and, like yeah, that. And, and of course, we would remember. To pray for all these right. people and ask for the moon. Yeah. You know, I just, I love that thought uh, that you're just like, wh- why wouldn't you ask for the very best thing? Yeah. You know? Right. Of course you would. Um, it's so interesting as you get into the Lord's Prayer, there's so many lessons. And sometimes we don't recognize them because we're so used to saying it. And a lot of us have memorized it. And you hear it in movies or other places. It's in one of my favorite songs. It's in part of the chorus. And it's just part of what we do. That sometimes it's fun to like unpack it a little bit and -hmm. and see, okay, what's... When he was like, this is how you should pray. Then I want to think, okay, what was he trying to explain to me about prayer here? And maybe... I should actually spend a little more time here than I normally would. Yeah. To see and it, what might be going on. And it seems it's cool because he actually patterns into it like the request. Yeah. Right? But he starts off and says, maybe first you should address like kind of your thoughts and intentions towards him. Thy kingdom come. Well, thy and even before will, that, right? Yeah. Even before that, I love when he says this in verse nine Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And I love that right at the beginning, he's like, let me teach you that there is respect in prayer. There is holiness in prayer. Like you actually are about, um, it's that two things. You're kneeling down at the feet of your father, but you're also talking to the God of the entire universe. And there's something about like, just remember who you're addressing, yeah. you know, and, and, and be sw- in awe. Yeah, and there's a sweet, I don't know if tension's the right word, but I, I'll use it, like a dance between those two that's just like, I yeah. do want to keep both of those in um, check of each other. Yeah, or in balance yeah, with each other. Or whatever. You know who often does this really well, and probably because I've had a lifetime of practice, but you, have you ever listened to a really old person pray? Yes. Oh, Sometimes I'm like, you could end the meeting now because just that prayer in and of itself taught me like a lot of things that I need to think about. That's so now. interesting. We were together with a group of friends with my friend's parents. We went out to visit them and his mom prayed over dinner. It was just over dinner. Yeah. And like I peaked during the prayer because I was like, I'm certain God is sitting at the table because of the way that she was talking. And it was actually so like, yeah, like, and that impacted some of my thoughts and feelings about God, like more than most sermons I've heard where it was like, wow. Like she just danced that dance. Yeah. It's like familiarity and awe. Yeah. You just want both of those. I love that part. And then the part that you were saying, which is one of my favorite lines in the whole prayer, uh, thy kingdom come. 
Thy right. will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And this is why I love it, but let's see why you love it. Because this is what I think it says. Let the second coming be tomorrow. Oh. <laughs> because then the kingdom will be here and your will will be done everywhere. So I, sometimes in my mind, I'm like, Our Father which art in, he- art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Please let the second coming will be tomorrow. <laughs> then go to the next one. <laughs> and I read it in this different way. When he says thy kingdom come, I think he's saying this. There, you know, there's this idea that floats around that one day we need to escape this world and go into heaven. But Jesus seems to teach like, no, heaven is coming here and heaven is breaking forth right now. And when that line says thy kingdom come, I see it as like, let more heaven start to like bloom here. Let us live here. Let us live heaven in more and more. And I actually see the second coming. Don't be sad about this. Mm -hmm. I actually think Jesus is going to come to the world, but almost like a painting, like a stroke at a time, like a little more heaven, one bit of a time, and then he can come and crown it. But, um, you know, like just a little bit more. Can there be a little bit more heaven here? Just bit by bit, let it unfold. Let it, um, let it take over. Yeah. You know, eventually, um, which he says, so that's cool. That beginning part is like, make sure that we don't go so wild into our own needs and, and thoughts and everything so quick, you know, cause you could yeah. accidentally, but then he gives permission and not just permission, but encouragement to like, now ask for things like yes. you're, you're allowed, you're yeah. allowed to ask and for I things. And I love too, like 11, it's so interesting to me that he says in 11, Matthew writes, give us this day, our daily bread. Um, Luke writes it a little bit different, and I actually love Luke's better, but nobody tell Matthew. Um, in 11.3, he says, day by day mm. um, is how the bread will come. And a little bit, it makes us think about manna for just a second, but what, what it teaches me is yesterday's prayer is actually not going to be enough for today. Mm. And that today is going to require its own asks. You know, it's yeah. going to require its own connection. And when we talk about, I will be what tomorrow demands, then there's part of me that's like, we love that name. And everyone writes into us and says, oh, I love that his name is, I will be what tomorrow demands. And I think we connect to that. But if we actually want him to be in tomorrow and helping us handle what it demands, prayer invites him into the story. And I love that he's like, you should do that every day. Like ask for what you need every day. I'm okay with you asking every day. And I think there's something really cool if you go back to verse eight, because it says your father knows what things you need of before you ask him. And it leads people to wonder and think, then why should I even ask? Like he already knows, you know, but it's just like, there's actually something really intimate and connecting about asking, about saying like, this is what I lack and this is what I need. Mm. There's something that, there's something really vulnerable about hoping for something and, and, yeah. you know, wishing it happens in a certain way and, and kind of putting it into God's hands. It's really sweet. And, and, I, and 12 is cool too, where it just says, I always link 11 and 12. Well, not always. Kind of recently, I started linking 11 and 12 together because it says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. I actually think that daily still is part of that. And it's intriguing to me, a little sombering, a little sober, that, I would need daily forgiveness. Yeah. But I do like that Jesus says, I'm okay that you need daily forgiveness. Yes. You know, ask for yeah. it every day. It's yeah. okay. And it reminds me of when um, Caleb was 
doing that white coat ceremony at Creighton and they had a Catholic priest stand up and he talked about that's part of every morning he asks God, he goes, he checklists his day before. This is what I feel like went really well. And I love that he was like, this is what I feel like we accomplished. Don't you love when he's like, let me, here's, here's how we did today. Yeah. Um, but then he said, I always choose the one thing I could have done better from the day before. And I ask God to help me be better at it today. Mm. And I, I love that. Like, don't you think every day there's one thing you maybe could have done better? Yeah, sure. So, and I like that he's just like, just, just that one thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. just every day, like, what could you have done better? So as you look through this, it's really neat because you'll see certain verbs in there um, that lead to what we're calling one word prayers. And sometimes one word prayers can be the most powerful, right? Sorry please, um, forgive, you know, th those types yeah. of things. And, and we think it would be neat. This is the question that's in the journal, but you might actually find some other words in there. Like, for example, I just noticed yes. one that we didn't do. I know. Like, Why? In 13. Why did we not did you do see it? That? Yes. Is that the one I'm you're thinking? So mad lead? Right now. Yeah. Lead us? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where should he lead us today? I right. was like, how did we? Then I was like, maybe you just forgot. But no, we 100% <laughs> forgot my favorite one. So there's just something about like, Maybe taking a minute, having a prayerful moment with the journal. Like, what is it that you are asking yeah. for? Yeah, and if you're watching on the podcast, if you just go through there and look for these words, these are the ones you're going to find. Give, forgive, lead us, deliver us, and then come. And I love that thought of like, what do you need him to give you today? And what do you need him to forgive in you today? And where do you need him to lead you today? Or like a lot of times for me, I'm just like, lead, take, lead me to the place where you need me yeah. today. And I will be open to the unexpected, you yeah. know, um, deliver, um, come. I just love all those things and letting God be present. Um, I sent you a text with that quote that I just want to oh, um, okay. share right here. Because one of the things that I loved about this last general conference is President Nelson actually invited us to pray in a way that I haven't done before, and I've been practicing it since the invitation came. And it really does require a practice because after 53 years of praying, I, I just there's habits, there's ways I pray, there's what's comfortable. I just know how I engage with God. And so President Nelson is like stretching me right now to pray in a way that I never have before. And I love that at 53, you can still be stretched. You know, you can be taught new things. And he said this, read the quote. Okay, it says, ask him to enlighten your mind and send the help you need. Each day, record the thoughts that come to you as you pray, then follow through diligently. So I'm so intrigued by that, well, several things in there. There's just so many parts of that quote that I'm like, oh, I love, I love that he's like, ask him to send the help you need um, into the situations you're in. But I also love when he talked about write the thoughts that come. Like when I pray, um, I, I like to have my morning and my nighttime prayer and I have a ritual of what that looks like. But I'm also like an on the go prayer where I'll just like randomly pick up the conversation from that morning if I'm on a walk or if I'm in the car or if I'm mowing the lawn yeah. or I'll just pick it up. And this is requiring me to actually be a little bit more intentional hmm. because I need a paper and a pen. I actually have a journal that I keep with me. And I will admit that I have grown so fond of this 
there have been several nights since conference that I've actually slept with that journal in my same bed with a pen <laughs> because I will write down as I'm praying and thinking. And sometimes that happens for a long time in the evenings for me. And often it happens for a long time in the morning for me that I'll just sit and let him respond to my prayers. But that's been such a blessing for me. That's in his Sunday morning talk from the most recent conference. Told you. Is where that quote came from. Sunday morning. Yeah, I'm telling I know. you, it's the it best so one. Oh, good. Um, but I love that idea that like we can, you can change things up. You can yeah. practice prayer in different ways and right. Um, right. do different things. And so we're going to keep talking about prayer, but we're going to move to our second segment, which we named the God of Good Gifts. Yeah, it's it's again in chapter seven. Jesus brings this up again, um, and starting in verse seven, he just gives that really, really well known and. Um, most repeated mini sermon, ask and it shall be given you, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. And and again, I just really feel like we have this society conditioned upon people not wanting help, not asking for help, not yeah. wanting to like, well, we I can be just do it myself. Right. Self-sufficient. Right, and- right. Even we have a program within the church called self-reliance. And I always have such a problem with that. And I'm like, <laughs> should we not be name. God-reliant? <laughs> like, that's what Jesus seemed to teach. I understand what it means, everybody. I, you don't have to email me. Um, but, but also, let's just think about that for a minute. Have we become so self-reliant by accident that we're forgetting to be God-reliant? Right. And r- r- I said, Ryan. <laughs> like, right. Instead of right, but... I just love back in that, the Lord's Prayer, the pattern of it was day by day. And even in President Nelson's quote, he says, write it down today, like the thoughts that you're having, like have a continual daily connection and ongoing relationship. And, and I just like that. I thought this this morning for the very first time where he says, first of all, ask and it shall be given you. That's, um, that's, that's, uh, I don't want to discount how wildly gracious of a statement yeah. that is. Yeah. And I don't want to like, because there are some times where people will say, but I did ask for this and this and this, and it didn't happen. And so now I'm not going to ask anymore. And those kind of thoughts really can get in the way of like appreciating and celebrating how liberal and gracious God's being in this invitation, right? Yeah. Where he says, ask, and I'm going to give it to you and seek for the answers you're going to find them. I've never thought about that as maybe that's what the seek might be. Like, yeah. look for, maybe maybe they'll come a little bit differently than you thought. So yeah, look keep, for them. Live eyes wide yeah, open. Right? Yeah. Right? I love that part. And I love too, and I have been thinking about this so much. And I don't know why, but it started back when we were teaching the temptations of Jesus is the first time where just something in my head connected where I was like, oh, this is so interesting. Do you remember right after the 40 days of fasting and he's led into the wilderness by the spirit and he's going to be tutored by God in that time. And we talked a lot and I'm sure you all discussed this in your gospel doctrine classes about how Satan wanted to use that word. If, if you are the son of God, then do this and was kind of challenging his identity. But there was something else that stood out to me. And you remember there is that moment where Satan is like, if, if you're so hungry, he, he goes after his physical appetite, turn these stones into bread, he tells him, that you should easily be able to do that. And for some reason, 
this time when I read that three weeks ago, um, immediately this next verse right here in the Sermon on the Mount caught my attention. And then yesterday we were learning about that in Gospel Doctrine and it grabbed me again. And then t this morning as we were just kind of talking through this, there is this verse nine and I just, I want you to think for a minute of what, is there a similar lesson here? Because if you're Jesus, that just happened two chapters ago. So that's like fresh on your mind. You just won that battle with Satan, right? And it's, it's like, remember that time when I was sitting in the wilderness and he was like, you should turn these stones into bread. And like, that just happened, right? He, that's mm -hmm. still in him. And then he says this in verse nine, what man is there of you whom if his son asked bread would give him a stone? Like in my mind, I'm like, there's too much of a coincidence that that bread and stone thing is still <laughs> right there. happening two chapters later. And I love that thought when he's like, maybe to Satan, I know my father better than you think I do. Mm -hmm. And I love when he's like, if his son were to ask for bread, do you think he would give him a stone? Like, is that who you think God is? Is that the character of the father you are praying to? Because... The father I believe in, if I said to him, I need bread, actually rains it down from heaven. Yeah. That's the father I believe in. Yeah. Um, you know, and I love that thought of like, it. you can tell that there's some reconciling that is happening in his brain that he's like, you know what, my, my God actually would not give me a stone. If I needed bread, don't you love that he will just like rain it down from heaven? Yeah heaven. Right. right. Um, I love that he's kind of challenging maybe some of the thoughts that Satan had put into his head about who God was, which I love because I think that happens for all of us as children, where we do get challenged of, well, who is the God you believe in? And, and why would the God you believe in do something like that? That I love that he was like, you know, if a, if a son went to his father and asked for bread, I'm just going to go back to Moses and think, the God I believe in actually rains bread. Yeah, and, and it's promised here, right? In verse 7 says, Ask and it shall be given. Seek, you shall find. Knock, it will be open. 8, repeated. If you ask, you will receive. If you seek, you will find. If you knock, it shall be opened. And anyone who's a, um, a parent or is you know, taking care of a young kid, what I love about this little uh, parable or whatever this is, the way that he's talking is... is um, I've ne I don't ask my dad for bread anymore. I can just go get it myself, you know? And it almost puts us back into this little kid mentality, right? Only little kids ask yeah. for food because once you grow up, you just get it out of the pantry yeah. yourself, yes. right? And so he's like, I need you to come back into that really trusting, like little kid to father place. But if there is somebody who feels like God actually did give me a stone, like Jesus is teaching like, oh, then perhaps you need some more time or perhaps you need some more perspective um, in order to see that, that it was actually bread. Mm. And sometimes silence is bread. Yes. And waiting can be bread. And, and there's things that's just like, uh, what needs, what you need to understand as you traverse this life is like, Obviously, God's not a vending machine and is just not going to give us whatever it is that we ask for because sometimes the things that we ask for are the wrong timing and, and they're the wrong thing for us. Like we don't have the wisdom of 
Father in heaven. And, and so, but he does give and he gives liberally and he doesn't give stones and he doesn't give snakes. And, and I love that. Yeah. And I love that because I do think there are times and there definitely have been times in my life where I'm like, this is actually not what I wanted right here. And even specific things where all of us can probably think of a time, like one for me that, that was like really hurt for many years was the fact that we, in response and answer to prayer, entered into a situation that actually decimated us financially. And because I had seen God's hand, we trusted to walk into that situation. And, and it was clearly like divinely appointed, clearly. But at the end of three years, when we got out of that business and it had destroyed our entire savings account and remortgaged our home and all of those things, I was like, I think he might've given us a stone by accident. Yeah. Like, I don't, maybe you weren't paying attention or like, like how did you not know what this was going to do to us in three years. And it wasn't until decades after that experience that God was helped me to realize, yeah, he ruined our finances, like ruined them, but he saved a boy in the process. And it became really clear in that moment that his agenda and my agenda were not the same agenda for those three years. And um, what I thought was most important success and what he thought was most important success in those three years was completely different. And that can ostracize you in a relationship. Yeah. Right. right. That if you, if you don't have a good trust system build up, you could be like, yeah, I look back at those three years and we accidentally, we actually did get this, but I know God better. I know God is a God who rains bread. Yeah. I know because he has done that for us before. And it was really tender for me. And I will tell you the prayer on that night, two decades later, when I realized you actually did send bread. And I'm so sorry. I did not say thank you for the bread at that time. And don't you love that he's like, it's okay. I knew two decades later, you would be profoundly grateful yeah. for that moment. And I'm okay to wait, you know, I'm okay. And I'm okay to let you wrestle with it. But that for me was a profound teaching moment that in those moments, when you do feel like you got the stone and there will be moments when you will think we accidentally just got the stone. Um, to remember that ours is a God who rains bread. Our, ours is a manna from heaven, God. And it may not make sense to you right now, but it for sure makes sense to him. Yeah, and there's something about that where he's like, I also will teach you trust. Like, I, I, I will yes. teach you that. Yeah. And, and because that daily bread principle is one where sometimes you were like, I actually would like decade bread, yes. please. <laughs> like, I want you to secure me for the next 10 years. Yes. And there is something about him saying, I know, but if I did that, it will not do for you and our relationship what asking 
just for a daily amount will do. Like the trust that grows over 10 years day by day is different than I'll take care of you for, you know, the next 10 years. Here's your, you know, here's your guarantee or whatever that's there. Well, and just, it just, that relationship becomes paramount in the process. And I love what Jesus says at the end in verse 11. If you then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? And that's actually our name for this week is um, the gift. And that's the scripture that we talked about. And I love that that word gift means to give or grant or show or deliver or offer or appoint or this is my favorite one devote oneself yeah. to like he's like going to be devoted to you even in all of the stone tantrums that I had for those 3 years and I can vividly remember one time printing the line from a blessing Greg had been given that said that was the right choice in great big paper above Greg's desk in his office and looking at it every day and saying when when is this going to happen? Yeah. Like I'm waiting on you yeah. and I'm trusting you. And I wonder if he just a little bit was like, it's going to be 20 years before you see the fruition of that thing. Um, but you're going to be okay. Yeah. You know, you're going to be okay. Yeah. And I think there's, there's something about this that, you know, when I was writing it up that I was like, if I want to see how he's showing up this way in my story, let me think through the times, you know, like maybe you did. You know, like, how can I trust him? Because when has he given and granted and shown and delivered? He has done it in the past. But I do also love that we are calling these the names of Jesus. And he's not only a gift giver, but he also is the gift itself. And like, there's something about um, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he sent a gift, his son that we look to that moment of the cross and say, God really is good. Like there is a, that moment is a a moment where like, I can trust him because I see that he's the giver of good gifts. And in Jesus, he's the giver of the best gift of all. And that actually can help us to trust him more when we see that. Um, And then this next part, which is so awesome because in those years while waiting, you know, <laughs> for things to come, yes. come, you know, to pass, come to fruition. Jesus almost seems to give in this section, this, um, this advice. It's like almost like um, a, a, a way of, of living, right? That's really neat. And he starts in this 28 uh, and he just kind of says, because he talks about, he's like, there's things that you're going to worry about in your life. Like life's going to be full of worry and wonder and are things working out and, and all this kind of stuff? And this is what he starts to say. And you can back up a little bit, actually, um, into 25. He says, listen, take no thought for your life, <laughs> what you shall eat or what you shall drink or for your body, what you shall be put on. And I don't think it means, like, he was like, you don't have to have any worries at all, you know, like just, just but he says, but I just want you to notice, when you look at the birds, look at them. They actually don't ever work. And they're just taken care of. Like they just fly yes. where they want to fly, and they and, you and they go into the barns. And uh, in twenty six, where he's talking about those birds, and you see the part where we have written that he feedeth them, 
One of the Greek translations for that word feedeth, you are going to die over this right now, is cherish. Oh, that's so much better. Who should have wrote that in there? <laughs> Matthew, you messed up. Read the it translator. Like that. Read it like that. Right? Where he says, look at the fowls of the air. They sow not, neither do they reap, um, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father cherished them, cherisheth them. Oh. Are you not much better than they? And and it's so s- sweet. that th- He's just like, look, look. And, and, and he says, and look at in 28. Consider the lilies of the field. How they grow and they toil not, neither do they spin. That means like they don't sew their own clothes or anything. They're just already beautiful in and of themselves. And, and we they grow spontaneously. Right oh, yeah, yeah, because yeah. sometimes you wonder what the lilies look like. So if you're watching, um, if you're not watching, if you've seen those red poppies, we have them in Utah. I'm sure you have them in other places. Um, they are they have really thin petals, so thin, um, like fragile, and they that black center usually and then they're those red really fragile petals and they just grow up everywhere at least in utah they do you'll see them everywhere the same thing in israel they're called jerusalem lilies if you're if you're watching you can see them but on the podcast that's what they look like and keep telling them about them now yeah, that and, they can see them and they just grow in all the places everywhere and it seems like there on a hillside, Jesus would have been like, look, 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 look how beautiful all these things are that God is just creating and, and making. And, and he says, 29, he's like, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. These are, you know, like. They really are so pretty. Yeah. He had all the money and resources in the world and still couldn't do what God could do. Yeah. You know, he's, he's just really, really good at this. And then he says this, um, so don't take any thought saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or how shall we be clothed? 32, for your heavenly father knows all, knows that you have need of all these things. So let me give you a priority list. First, seek for the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will then be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take the thought for the things of itself. (laughs) Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Meaning like, listen, there is enough worries in tomorrow. You don't have to bring them into today. But instead, today, will you just put your heart and focus on God's generosity and his abilities and his creative genius and, and his ability to take care of everything that's happening in this world, all the complicated ecosystems. He was like, could you imagine how um, anxiety filled you would be if you thought you needed to take care of all the flower ecosystems and the bird <laughs> ecosystems and, and everything, you know? And he's like, good thing you don't know about him because you don't have biology books yet or the cells and the mitochondria and how everything is just like, well, you kind of just like relish in the fact that God's really good at what he does. And he's really good at taking care of this world. And he's good at creating beauty. And if that beauty dies for a season, it's going to come back again in new and different ways, right? He's like, take some time and and sit in that. Um, There's this awesome um, New Testament scholar I love so much. Oh, should we go there and then we'll come back to this. And he says this um, about Jesus. He seems to have had the skill of living totally in the present giving attention totally to the present task, celebrating the goodness of God here and now. If that's not a recipe for happiness, I don't know what is. And he wanted his followers to be the same. 
And, it, and, and that just seems to be like what, what one of the lessons of the lilies of the field yeah, is. Yeah, I love that so much. If you are wanting a copy of this, in the app, we put all these slides every week. So you'll be able to easy just pull it right off of there. Um, this Consider the Lilies is actually what got me through those two decades of wondering how were we going to take care of all the people and all the things. I would come here all the time. And um, I, it, this was like my comfort place. I would just come and be like, remember God said... He's going to take care of it. He will take care of it. I don't have to stress about it because he will take care of it. And when I got to Israel for the very first time, I got to go with one of my most dearest friends, Michael Wilcox. And um, in the years that we've been friends, we've talked a lot about scripture and the lilies tend to be something that I bring up a lot because I, I feel like I've lived the lily life, you know, of like, always having to trust that what dies God will bring back again and mm. trusting that there will be beauty and we would be taken care of. And I'll never forget when we came over the border, Michael was waiting there on the other side for the buses. And um, right when I got on the bus, he said, I hope you're not too late. That's the first thing he told me. And he had been in Israel for two weeks. And he said, for the last two weeks, there have been lilies everywhere. And I prayed God would save at least one for you, um, that you would be able to see a lily because I just, I don't want you to miss the lilies. I know it will be your favorite part. And it ended up being so cute because our first place we went was to the place where the Sermon on the Mount was given. And Michael taught there and we stood on that mountainside and looked down over Galilee and after he was done teaching, he walked up to me and he had one of these in his hand. And um, he said to him, here's your lily, which I actually have in my scriptures right here. Um, I taped it in. But everywhere we went that trip, there were lilies everywhere. At Bethesda, we saw them. In Gethsemane, we saw them. It was like God's fingerprint was all over that mm. trip. And it was such a sweet experience because I would have thought, there's no way I could have ever afforded to get myself to Israel. And the odds that I would ever see a real life lily in Israel were so minimal because of the way our life has gone. And that trip was actually um, a gift. Greg and I got to go as tour guides and we worked our way there. We earned that ability to actually be in that place and experience that thing. And for me, the thought that God would be like, oh, this will be so fun. I will leave a lily for you everywhere because he knew. Um, he knew that had been the symbol of my life up to that point and just how sweet it was. And I think sometimes we forget God is sweet like that, that he's mm -hmm. tender like that. Yeah. We sing in sacrament meeting that song. I can't remember what it's called. Um, but there's a line in it that says um, that he wins our hearts with mm. love. And I actually really appreciate that in this, even in the Sermon on the Mount, where it's just like, he's like, I'm going to actually win your heart over yes. with love throughout all these things. Um, this fourth little section is kind of our idea. It's, it's the page that's in the journal of something that you could do to teach uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And especially because it's got all these little like 
many little lessons, like little pictures that he gives, you know, all throughout of like, uh, here's one about wolf and sheep's clothing. And here's one about gates. And here's one about, um, you know, lilies and, and stuff like that as he, as he goes through. And one way you could teach this is by taking a whole bunch of these objects. Like you, should we go there first and then you'll come um, back and explain Oh yeah, explain this. that. Okay. Yeah. Why we called it this, yeah. but this is in your journal. Um, and you could use like something like this and cut up these pictures, like print it out and do this. Or you could actually gather like a light bulb and a treasure box and a shoe and a... Yeah, we taught seminary um, like this one year. Yeah. How many years ago would that have been? And it was so fun because we actually gathered a pocket knife and a pair of shoes. I went and bought lilies. We had a light bulb. Where is that gigantic light bulb? Remember that big light bulb we yeah. used? <laughs> we switched true. off because we taught opposite days of each other. And a treasure box and you could get fruit and you can get a big, you know, And log. I brought a wolf in to class, like a real wolf. You did not. <laughs> Everyone was paying attention so And much. pearls, right? And there will be more. We just picked 12 of the easiest and really it's 11 um, of the easiest ones. And then all we did is tied the scripture on the thing. And that the shoes were sitting there with the scripture and the fruit was sitting there with the scriptures. And then we just told the kids when they walked in, pick whichever one intrigues you the most of these items. And they were like, but why? What does it have to do with? But like, what are we going to do? What's happening? And yeah. You just love that. You're like, just pick the one that speaks to your soul. That's yeah. the one you want. And so they all took those back to their desks. And it was fun because they, it's, sometimes it's fun when you have like a tangible, like. Right, right. Something. Um, and then we told all of them, okay, everyone's going to have a second. Read your verses just to yourself. I usually put on music when I do stuff like that because it just for some reason um, helps connect better. And pick out the one thing that is a standout for you for your verses. Like why was your soul drawn to those verses, do you think? What is there in here that is like, this is my aha. This is my lesson for today. This is the power phrase or the something that is like inspires me or, or gives me insight into my life. And then we spent the whole rest of that class. Everybody just took two minutes, held up their thing, what it was, what their lesson was. And it was so neat because it was just so instant. It was like these instant lessons that yeah. came um, through. But I love what you were talking about, maybe how you might help that connect with yeah, the kids. because I think I would want them to just say what it is that they thought when they saw him, like just initially, like what word or phrase or what lesson, like what's, what's Jesus trying to, to say here. But remember the entire purpose of everything Jesus is trying to give is this constitution for a, a happy life or like what we saw in the Lord's prayer is just like, let heaven come here. Let's experience heaven. Let's see heaven and each of these things that he teaches are going to lead us to experience heaven. Um, for example, like one of them that we did is like a pocket knife. And it's this lesson of there are some things that you have to cut out of your life. And then I would say the question I would ask everybody with each of these is like, okay, then tell me what it is about cutting something out that will actually lead to experiencing and seeing more of heaven. Like how, how, how do you think that would work? And considering the lilies, I mean, just take everything that we just taught, like that would help me to see more of heaven if I, if I thought through some of these things. So 
that's how I would really want to like focus everybody. First, I'd let them just say like what's coming to mind because like the spontaneity and yeah. like what the spirit will teach is just going to be so awesome. But then it could be awesome either go through once and then come back again a second time or something um, to just say because some people might not need to help each other out to say like, all right, tell me how that principle, if lived, right? Jesus says, whosoever hears these sayings and doeth them will build your life on a rock. Or in other words, we'll see heaven, we'll experience heaven yeah. right now. And I love that this is such a great general conference prep lesson because we're just going to be approaching that preparing for conference and preparing our hearts for conference. And I, I really love the thought that what Jesus was giving was like a lot of different, like, think about, think about this. Think about these lilies. Hold on. Let's talk about these for a minute. And then he's like, okay, let's talk about if you were going to be a light. Let's talk about what salt does. Like he's giving them all these different, like, connection points for them that don't you just imagine in the weeks and months afterward they would see salt at the temple and they'd be like oh yeah remember that guy on the mountain when he was Taught talking that about this yeah, or yeah. you know when they saw pearls and they were like oh yeah remember when he compared those pearls to pigs why did he do that you know and i feel like conference does the same thing for us where they just there's so many different speakers and different talks and different themes and different things that you can grasp hold of and I love after conference when people were, will be like this. Oh, the theme of conference was. And then you're like, well, that's so interesting because three doors down, that lady will be like, no, the theme of conference was this. this. Yeah. And I'm like, well, actually the theme of conference for me was. And I just love that that's kind of how Jesus teaches where he's like, here, let me just use everything that might actually pop up in your life in the mm. next few weeks or months and give you a little something to think about and help you live higher. Yeah. yeah. And it's also really neat that he does use so many things that people are experiencing and, and are having in their lives and everything, because I think he understands like, listen, there's a lot of things that you have to do to live in this world and you have to navigate uh, relationships and people and you have to work and you have to pay taxes and, and you have to, you know, um, grow food for your family and you have to eat. And there's a lot of options and there's a lot of things in, in this world. And in addition to that, we believe in a God who's actually not going to force you to have relationship with him. And he's not going to force you to love him either, right? And amidst all of this, Jesus seems to be teaching this last principle that we're going to end with of um, kind of this idea of priorities, right? Um, where are you going to spend your attention? And where are you going to spend your time? And where are you going to spend your, you know, energy and and who's going to lead you and who's going to influence you. And, and Jesus um, gives these verses in chapter six where he says, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves could break through and steal them. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth or rust doth corrupt or steves, thieves do not break through or steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And if the light of the body is the eye, if therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of, of light. And gives us this invitation to seek for things that are better, right? Um, seek for relationships mm -hmm. and experiences that don't corrupt and, and don't waste away. Uh, obviously, he's in, into people like working and having jobs and, and doing vacations and and having ambitions and all of those things, yeah. right? 
But then he just says, but this is just an issue of um, priority. Put, put your heart and your time and your energy into those things that are truly treasures and, and long-lasting treasures. Yeah, and I think, too, and make, make him your priority. Make God your priority, the Father. Let him be the priority because I love when he says this in verse 33 of chapter 6. Then all these things shall be added to you. And you want yeah. to be like, well, what is the treasure I'm going after? And I love the thought that it's all these things. Right. Like, what is it? I don't know. But it's all these things. Like, it's probably bigger and better and grander and more all-encompassing than what you actually have the capacity to imagine for yourself. And when you know because you've experienced it before, those moments when God orchestrates a miracle... And all of a sudden, all the strings come together at once and you see it happen. And it's that thrill that you talked about that you're like, how did he do that? You yeah, know, he, yeah. he's like magical in the way that he just can all of a sudden orchestrate all these things together that you're like, but wait a minute, how did you like get her? And then it happened on that day. And then there, this was event and all these things that you're like how did you do that yeah you know and yeah. i think that at the end of the day he's like i'm the treasure right. actually right it's me and if, if you just come here all these things will be added yeah. unto you and it might not come in the way we thought or in the time we wanted and we will quickly learn God cares a lot more about people than he does about money. And um, that that is his greatest work. And the beauty is that over time, I think our hearts change and realize uh, that for us, that also becomes our greatest work. Yeah. And the end is people and it's relationship and it's, it's navigating that. Um, all these things are sometimes people. Yeah. And, and a life that's, undergirded with like a, a an, an adoration of God and a realization that he adores me, like makes whatever amount I have a lot or a little, like, like actually enjoyable and, yeah. and thrilling in and of itself. Like, and I love that he just says, he gives that advice, like, let your eye be single to mm. me. But I love knowing that his eye is actually single on me yes. already, you know? And, and I, I, that, I love picturing that thought. If I were to ever ask God, so what is it that you think about me? The image that comes to my mind is a dad holding their new baby, mm. you know? And he's like, his eye is actually single on me. Like his generosity is single on, on me and his, he cherishes me and yeah. he's inviting me and, in, you know, to enjoy what that's like to reciprocate that with someone who's who's so good yeah it's so good so beautiful lessons yeah, right such here. a fun lesson and good stuff coming next week too yep we'll see you then see ya this audio was taken from a youtube video from our youtube channel you can find us on youtube at don't miss this also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.